Hello, fellow Agner. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich, and if you're curious about where innovative ideas meet practical realities in food production, I think you found the right show, and I'm sure glad you're here. One of my favorite things we've done this year on the podcast have been these tech-enabled advisor episodes. It's really a unique chance to talk to the agronomists and consultants who really are often the very first to try out new agricultural technologies, especially when it comes to digital tools. More and more ag tech companies seem to be realizing that these trusted advisors are playing an increasingly crucial role in today's farming operations. Today's episode is another installment in that series, and it's a really cool story of how John Silvera, he's an independent crop consultant in the Central Valley of California, is using one tool in particular, AgWorld, to offer much more to his grower clients than just agronomic recommendations. In this episode, we'll talk about the return on investment of farmers hiring independent crop consultants, why John decided to start using AgWorld about a year ago, and how he estimates he can save an average size grower in his area around $100,000 per year through using his integrated budgeting, agronomic advising, and input purchasing services. We'll also get into how he's thinking about the future of his business and the future of agriculture. As you may recall with this Tech Enabled Advisor series, I wanted to hear from a variety of different types of guests who are each using different tools. In order to do that, I've sought out companies to partner with on each individual episode in the series, and today's show was produced in partnership with AgWorld. Founded in 2009 with an Australian headquarters in Perth, AgWorld is a global leader in collaborative farm management, enabling farmers, advisors, and third parties to work together on one single platform. AgWorld's standardized database makes it quick and easy to create accurate reportable farm data and serves over 100 million acres across five countries. AgWorld also made headlines recently by announcing it was getting acquired by Semios. And John and I actually talk a little bit about that in today's episode. Learn more about AgWorld at agworld.com. And thank you so much to Zach and Reinder and the team for partnering with me on today's episode. Okay, so now to our featured conversation here with John Silvera of Silvera Consulting. The son of a longtime farm manager, John has a degree in ag business from Fresno State University. From there, he spent about four years working for a large inputs provider before starting his own company in 2016. One of the things I find most striking about John's story that you're about to hear is how he's leveraging technology to become much more of a trusted business advisor who integrates agronomic decisions with business decisions for his clients. I'm going to drop you into the conversation here where I was talking to John about convincing his early customers to pay for independent crop consulting services, even though it will ultimately save them money. For many of them, it's a brand new line item expense, which can be a tough sell. Yeah, so that has been a topic of conversation with a lot of growers because it is a line item, right? Like uh, the bill they get from me is not a bill that they would see if they were with a retailer. So uh, what I have to do is remind them, yes, you do get that bill, but we save it and make it back over here. That's sort of the buying process of fertilizer, seed, chemical, and um, just using the, the four R's too, the right rate, right timing, right application, and knowing that, you know, I'm not making a sale off of it. So I'm going to do it at the right time for the grower because I think of it as my own farm. 
you know, if out of a 150 acre field, we only need to treat 35 acres. I'm, I'm game for that. Cause if it saves the grower, then it ultimately makes me look good too. So that's the name of the game. Which crops are you working with today? So uh, I'm working with uh, pistachios, almonds, tomatoes, garlic, and dairy crops. Dairy crops being corn, wheat, alfalfa, and sorghum. And for you, you know, you said one of the appeals to getting started is like you needed a pickup, basically a pickup and a cell phone, and you could start. But as you've built your business, what tools have you kind of sought out in order for you to kind of cover more ground or to become more efficient or offer more value? Talk about kind of how you've grown that business from a tool standpoint. Okay. So, yeah. So first off, uh, recommendations and compliance are a number one out of a PCA to a grower. So you have to have things right with the county. You have to have things right with the federal government and the EPA rules and writing your recs, making sure your product use report is correct, your notice of intents are correct. That's kind of table stakes. That's to be expected. Like you have to keep the grower out of trouble with the county, right? So you're putting on the right products that are registered, right rate, and handling all the filing for him as far as notice of intent, product use report, product summary to the canneries, all that type of stuff. What I looked for is I looked for more of a mapping tool originally. So I wanted to map growers fields and at least have the acres correct and have a general idea of the crop rotation. And that led me to AgWorld. So I, I signed up with AgWorld and ultimately, once I learned more about AgWorld, I found out their budgeting tool was very useful for growers. And so I was happy that I invested in AgWorld because I made a lot of connections with the budgeting and planning tool, and it was more helpful than I recognized at the beginning. I was just using it more as a mapping tool in the beginning. Were you offering budgeting for your customers as a service before that? And if so, how would you do it then? And what what was different then with AgWorld? Yeah, so um, I've always helped growers budget, but it hasn't been a big part of my business. I've basically just told them, you know, hey, this product right now is going to cost $35 an acre to do. And I think it's worth it because of this. And I really never told them and wrapped it around in the end and said, hey, you know, we spent $219 an acre on your farm. What I do now is I have the budget ahead of time before the season starts, and it allows me more time to think about the budget and find unique ways to save the grower money. And then it also helps with implementing that plan. So for example, like right now, there's a lot of high commodity prices with what's going on with COVID and deliveries. And in the Midwest, they had really good corn crops this year. And so they were purchasing a lot of in UN32, CAN17 to make their yields better. And I've had to help my growers on this end try to find cheaper sources of in. And so that's where that budgeting tool has helped because it's allowed me to think about it and plan it out, like as to where maybe UN32 is too expensive. So we look at alternate sources. So it seems like with stuff like this, 
you're actually taking on a different role with your customer than you were when you were just a retailer. You know, at first it was like, hey, I'm going to do the same thing, only this time, you know, I'm going to create my value in saving you money rather than in, you know, in generating revenue for the company. But now you're kind of taking on this role of where you're like, you're almost like a business consultant rather than just an agronomic consultant. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. I think of it as a, as a businessman. So I think of it as that is my farm. If I'm going to tell this guy that he needs to spray and spend $32 an acre, I want to make sure that he gets a return on that. So that is my ultimate goal. So I'm never spraying just to spray or applying just to apply. I'm doing it with business in mind so that the grower sees a return. Right. Hmm. Is that easy for, you know, prospective customers to grasp in terms of like, it sounds great when you put it that way. It's like, oh, wow, you're not just, you know, agronomic advising. You're like making sure you save me money. But at the same time, it does require them to be a little bit more open to taking you on as a partner rather than just like a commoditized service provider type person. You know, do people usually catch on to that pretty quickly or does it take a while to build that trust? It depends. Um, Farmers are the most loyal people in the world. So if they're happy with the guy that they've been doing business with, you know, yields are great. Prices are relatively fair. They feel like they're getting a fair deal. It is hard to open the door with them. I feel like the relationship typically needs about two to three years to really flourish. So I've often said, hey, um, I know you don't know me from anyone else, but this is what makes me unique in what I do. And I would like a chance to maybe work on one field or work on half a field and kind of show you the, the results that I've had with some of the neighboring farmers. Oh, cool. And you're, you're still using it for mapping as well, right? Yeah. So mapping is a big thing to make sure the acres are correct. I color the commodities different which I think is kind of neat, you know, like garlic typically has a a yellowish color. So I put the maps as a yellow color. Cotton is green. So I put that as green, you know, wheat is green. So I put that as green. So the map, it looks unique to the growers. So that is a kind of a neat aspect of the program. With the budgeting, you said if you budget before the season, it gives you time to find creative ways to help save growers money. I was just going to see if you you had a good example that you could share of how that's happened in the past or so far. I guess you've been you've been using this about a year, right? Yes, I've been using it about a year. So it's just looking at the active ingredient of the product and finding out if there's a generic option for that active ingredient. So, for example, like a good one's like. Roundup, Roundup Power Max to kill weeds. Like, can we use 32 ounces of Roundup Power Max at this rate? And that price will be $10 an acre, let's say. And is there an option to possibly buy a generic Roundup for 4 to $5 a gallon cheaper and use a slightly higher rate, but it comes out cheaper per acre? are switching products altogether, like maybe we've always used Roundup, maybe we need to use a newer product like Venue, ET, or some different herbicide with a different mode of action. So that's what I do. I I really deep dive into fertilizer for sure, because that can easily be changed. And then as far as insecticides and herbicides, we do often always try to change those out too for cheaper options. 
as long as it gives the same efficacy to the grower, that's all I'm concerned about. But if it's apples to apples, why not try to go ahead and save that money? Right. With the input purchasing side of things, does the input purchasing happen within AgWorld or is it still like based on your own connections to kind of call around and figure out the best prices? Yeah, so that's on me to call around and get the best prices. And then I'm just implementing the prices that I receive into the system. I have relationships with retailers and I ask them, I need a price on this product for this grower. And they quote me that. And then I go with the best price and I implement that into the the budgeting. I did want to ask, though, about AgWorld being bought by Semios, if that caused any you know concern or kind of what your reaction to that is. Yeah, so I was surprised by it. But Zach, the owner, reached out to me and kind of explained why they did that deal. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a good deal for AgWorld and the customers because Simios is already in this market and they have a good book of business. They have a, a product for navel orangeworm. They have puffers that um, allow for mating disruption and don't allow the navel orangeworm to begin in an orchard block. So they block the navel orangeworm from ever starting. So that is a product that I'm interested in for the tree crops. So I think there might be some synergy there down the road to kind of use both platforms and end up integrating them into the ag world. And I think more products will come down the road in the future. You know, because it's very specific how to put the puffers out. It's every five trees and you skip five rows to put the puffers out. So I could see a mapping tool eventually to let the grower know that hey, there's a puffer in this tree on row five, tree five, and then all the way down on row 250, tree five, there's another one. I think that could be a unique offering. Right. And with AgWorld then, are your grower customers using AgWorld as well to make sure that kind of what you are advising gets done the way that you're advising it? Or does it kind of have to interact with whatever system they're using internally to track what they're doing? Yeah, so I have one grower active on AgWorld, and that is neat because it's really easy to share back and forth. And um, he has a whole person dedicated to it on his staff. So they automatically see what I do and implement. If I write a recommendation or an actual, they can see what I've done and I can also see what they've done. So we can collaborate that way without even having to talk, really. We can just see what each other's doing in, in AgWorld. So that is unique. Other growers, I haven't had them on board yet, but what I do is I send the recommendations over to them. And I also send them weekly scouting reports through the app so I can talk to them about it through a phone conversation after that or an in-person conversation about how we need to implement this stuff. Most of the time, I'm lining up the applicators or I'm lining up the job with an outside service. So the grower is really kind of hands off. And that's another reason they want to have me on the farm is because they're busy themselves. They have a lot going on. They'd prefer to let a guy like me just handle it. And they can see the job being done through the field work. So they typically trust you 
enough to say handle it as if it, if it was your own. That's pretty cool. And with that, then, if you're lining up the applicator, I mean, you're shopping for the lowest price that you can, you're calling them, you're coordinating the logistics. I mean, you're kind of doing everything. Yes, the applicators, we do um, try to make sure the price is correct, but you got to have a good relationship with the applicator because there's not too many of them. And if it gets in the busy season and you're calling them and they've got 50 other jobs, and you're not loyal to them, they might tell you, you know what, I don't have time to go do that. And it's more valuable to the grower to have it done at the right time because what we're dealing with is either a weed problem or a pest infestation, and that needs to be taken care of right away. So what I do for them, I switch between aerial application or ground application, depending on what I'm going after. And like if the aerial application is cheaper, then we can go that direction if I feel like it will work just as good. Or vice versa, if the ground application is cheaper, then let's just go by ground. So you have to be loyal to the applicators because just isn't that many of them around. Unfortunately, it's a high cost business to be an applicator, especially in California with all the regulations that we're facing. For your business, you know, where do you see yourself taking your consulting business? Would you like to grow and add more people or is it kind of like you got a good group of clientele and sort of want to keep where you're at because you're happy with where you are? How do you see the future of your consulting business? You know, I'm a, I'm a businessman, so I hope to see it grow, but it's got to grow over time in the right way. So that's my main thing is adding growers that I align with that are going to see my service as a valuable service. And I'd love to grow it that way. I basically want to grow it with, you know, the idea of, of like-minded growers. You know, if the grower doesn't see value in what I'm doing, then it's probably not going to work out long term. But I do want to um, grow the business because I think it is unique. And like I said, I, I think I really have an opportunity to help growers. And that's ultimately what I want to do. And once that trust is sort of built and, you know, you're, you're becoming kind of a trusted business advisor that happens to be doing, you know, the agronomy and input side of the business, are there other opportunities for additional value add that you see that you just kind of haven't got to yet? Yes. Um, I've actually been talking about this recently. Water is very, it's the highest value commodity right now in agriculture we just don't have enough of it. So one thing I've been thinking of adding is water management services. So basically the same thing is writing up a recommendation for pest or fertilizer, but writing up a schedule for when a guy should irrigate, how much he should irrigate, that type of stuff and helping him out through that. I think that's a big opportunity to go and there's a lot of tech involved in that that can help the grower make decisions. There's a lot of on-farm data that you can subscribe to to tell you um, evapotranspiration rates, temperature, wind, and that all factors into how much water should be applied to keep the crops at an optimal level. And there's also data services that provide imagery to show stress. So that could be a way to integrate the pest management and the water at the same time. Since I'm already going through the field, you know, why not do both? 
So that would look like um, a schedule, you know, like for the week of October 5th, I want you to put on 32 hours of water for your almond crop in field D1. Because water is a valuable commodity and it has to be used correctly. So would expanding into that service require some new tools? And if so, kind of uh, has there been anything specific you've been looking at for that? It would require new tools. I've played around with certain services on the imagery side. And then I've also had a, a Zoom call with a water management company, but I haven't fully vetted all that side. I think basically what's going to have to happen is I'm going to have to hire an employee to handle that side of the business before I expand into it. So for me, it's a couple years down the road type of goal. Yeah, I mean, that definitely this year, I think it's on, on everybody's mind for sure. And, and it, it's not going away, unfortunately. But I think my growers are going to start requesting it and that may force me into it. Cool. Well, the show is called, you know, the future of agriculture. So as you think about the future of, of ag in, in your area, you know, what comes top of mind? I think we've already hit on one, which is water use efficiency that you're already looking at as a potential growth area for your business. But, you know, are there others, other drivers that are going to be kind of shaping where agriculture goes from here? Yeah, I think definitely it's going to be picking the, the right commodity for the right field. So certainly we've had issues this year with growing tomatoes because we are growing tomatoes in the heat and we have a low availability of water. And so we've seen a decrease in our yields. So we got to figure out where's the best area to grow tomatoes. Is it where we're currently growing? Is the timing correct? That sort of thing. So Commodity selection is going to be big for me going forward, trying to add input to the grower, like grower B, for example, like I know you've typically grown dairy crops and you're a dairy farmer, but, you know, this area where you're at has a high availability to grow garlic or grow tomatoes or grow trees. Do you think that we could eventually go that direction and introduce different crops? So the cropping pattern is definitely going to change due to the heat and the water availability. That's going to be big. And then always the input side is going to change, constantly change. So we're never going to do the same thing we did in years prior. I don't think that's a thing you can basically take from. You know, you can um, you can look at years prior and and try to find out what worked, but Ultimately, I think you're going to have to rebuild these budgets and tweak them every season. And so that that's a thing that I see. And then again, on the on the water management, that's just going to be highly critical. If a grower doesn't have the water availability, then he can't have a crop to grow because Mother Nature only rains periodically here. And we can't rely on that. Unfortunately, we have to be irrigated agriculture. Right. Yeah. One thing I've really enjoyed this series where we're talking to people like yourself who are, who are using the technology, not necessarily creating the technology. A question I like to just ask is kind of, you know, what are the challenges you see with the ag tech industry in general? I'd love to get your perception on that. Tech is going to be more critical going forward. It's just going to be the availability and, and what it can do. 
I think there's certainly a need for more tech in ag. We are generally sort of old school. And um, I definitely think in my area, um, adopting variable rate technology like they do in the Midwest needs to be more of a thing. However, we, we don't have the investment in that currently, at least with the growers I'm working with. So as commodity prices raise, as the value of the commodities you're growing raise, you're going to want to implement something like that to knock off a certain section of the field and apply more nitrogen, more phosphorus, more potassium at a cheaper rate and ultimately at the right rate that's going to produce the highest value crop. Is there a specific example of a tool that maybe they have in Midwest row crop agriculture that you would like to have in permanent crops or fruit and vegetable crops? Or just it doesn't even have to exist in Midwest agriculture, just something that you're like, man, I really wish there was a tool for X. Yeah, I just really wish there was a tool for variable rate that was reasonable. Whether someone comes in and uh, starts a whole company around that, that would be an interesting idea. Or is it adopted on the the grower level, I just think certainly, you know, I can map a field and take an NDVI image and find my problem areas and soil sample those problem areas and come up with a recommendation for a nitrogen rate, phosphorus rate, potassium rate. I can have his nutrients dialed in, but I don't have a way to apply it. So it does me no good right now. But if I had a, a process to implement it because maybe a grower on a 150 acre field maybe he's over applying by 20 30 percent in half the field and we don't know or possibly is he under applying by 20 or 30 percent in half the field scattered throughout and that's going to end up costing him yield so either he's spending too much money or he's losing money on the yield side so I just need a, a better picture of that. Okay. Well, before we wrap here, I, I wanted to just kind of ask you about anything else that you would tell an audience, uh, you know, maybe if it's an audience of other independent crop consultants like yourself, advice that you would give them, or I always tell people, if you could give a TED talk to independent crop consultants, you know, what would your message be to them? Yeah, my message would be to make sure we always keep the grower in mind. Like you need to have a good relationship with your grower going forward. You are his trusted advisor. This is a high stakes uh, chess game that we're playing out here. You know, there's real money on the line and uh, the growers got to have a good crop at the end of the day. And uh, we are the guys that are hired to ensure that they get that crop. So there's a lot of integrity in this business, and I know people do do the right things, but we need to make sure going forward that that we keep a good relationship with the grower and we keep the grower top of mind in everything that we do. Awesome. All right, last question, then I am going to let you go. You know, anything else uh, that we either didn't touch on or that you, you wish we would have gone a little deeper into, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think just the main thing to highlight for me is the uh, planning ahead and the, the scouting. That's the main way I provide value to the growers. And I think that's what makes me unique. I think of it through their lens and I think about the best way for them to remain profitable and to remain farming. The last thing I want to see is a guy 
have low yields and suffer a high cost crop that ultimately didn't yield well and lost the grower money. Well, strong point to end on there. Thank you so very much to John Silvera for being on today's show. I really do appreciate hearing from real users of ag technologies instead of just the founders or the investors so that we can really appreciate how these are being used in the industry. This trend also of independent crop consultants becoming more of integrated business advisors is one to really watch as well, in my opinion. I'm also, of course, curious to hear how water might become a bigger part of John's business as it's such a big deal out west here, especially in California. Well, I know John is active on LinkedIn, so make sure you seek him out there and thank him for being on today's episode and you can stay in contact with everything he's doing. Huge thank you as well to AgWorld for partnering with me on today's episode. I happen to be a big fan of not only them, but of their new parent company, Semios. So make sure you go find out all that they have to offer on their website, agworld.com. Also give a little plug here that Semios CEO Michael Gilbert is going to be a part of our Where Are They Now episode that I'm going to be releasing as the very last episode of this year. So make sure you're subscribed to this show so you get that. We'll be following up with him after featuring him on episode 108 of this show. Last but never least, thank you for your time and your attention. I don't take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. 